0: Good morning. Well, happy Father's Day to all you fathers. We're starting a new series today based on the Psalm number 23. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to take one. If you don't have one, you can have it. It's yours to keep. If you'd like to grab one for somebody you know that would like a Bible, you can keep that or you can just borrow it during the service and follow along on the screen. The page numbers are up there as well and you can leave it in the back on the way out. When you think of Psalm 23, when you heard those words read just now, you, you've probably heard them before. I guess potentially, maybe some of you haven't, but most people have heard, even people that don't go to church have heard Psalm 23, most of the time you think of a funeral, right? When you hear that, because that Psalm is read many times when we're celebrating someone's life or when someone's passed away. And I think the reason that it got to where it's being used as a funeral so much, because it has the word death in it, where he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But the psalm is not about death. It's not even about heaven. This psalm 23 that we're going to be looking at for six weeks, we're going to take one verse a week and look at what it really means. It's really about trusting God. It's really about living our lives in a way where we put our complete and total trust into God. And in our culture, that's a really hard thing to do. And hopefully over the next few weeks, you memorize this one verse a week. And so the end of this sixth week, you can recite what you just heard play out on the screen. A few years ago, I was at a point in my life where I just felt really overburdened and overwhelmed. Anybody ever been there? I was just feeling like, God, is you know, is this what you have for me? I mean, I'm always going to have this feeling of I'm, I'm just not finishing what I start, or I'm just not focused where I need to be focused. And I just I felt this disconnection with God. And now that I look back, it was from being overworked. It was from uh, being a workaholic. It was from never taking a break. It was from never just stopping to let myself feel long enough. And now I understand that. But then I was at a very difficult place. I was looking at the future of this church and where are we going to go and my future? Where am I going to go? How's all this going to work together? I feel unworthy. Just all those feelings. So I decided I'm going to go on a spiritual retreat. Four days, spiritual retreat with a spiritual guide, a counselor, somebody to help me along and, and meet with me a couple times a day as I wrestle with these things I'm dealing with in my heart and in the depths of my soul. And so I go, and I'm ready. I'm there with pen and paper. I'm like, I'm okay. Give me the three steps I got to do this week, so I can leave here and be better. You know, I was ready for it. And he comes in. He's real calm the first day, and he opens up his Bible, doesn't say anything, but he reads Psalm 23, and he says, "That's really the only verse I want you to focus on this week." And I'm like, "1,500 bucks? I could have got that, you know, on the internet somewhere," and. And read Psalm 23, that's free. But every day as I got up, every night before I went to bed, as I read those six verses, and I read them in different translations, and I heard them in different ways, I began to feel God as my shepherd. I began to feel this emotional and spiritual healing come over me. I began to feel God again in a way that I felt when I first got to know Christ. And I thought, we've got to do a series on this. And it's been three years and we're finally getting to doing this series on Psalm 23. The book of Psalms is just a collection of poems and writings and songs written by more than one person. Most of the time when we talk about Psalms, we think of King David, who was a musician who wrote down the words to many, many songs that are recorded in the book of Psalms. He wasn't the only writer, but he did write all of Psalm 23. It was written between 25 and 3,500 years ago. There's Psalms about life, about sin, about death, about heaven, there are psalms of prophecy about Jesus Christ. There are psalms of adoration. There are psalms of confession. There are psalms that cover just about every topic you can imagine. Just like songs today, you probably have your favorite song because it's about If it's a love song, it's it's about someone you care about. If it's a a song about life, it's because it resonates with you and you identify with it. That's what the Psalms were to the people 25 to 3,500 years ago who would have heard these not read, but sung to them in worship. Like the rest of the Old Testament and and the Bible in particular, they're, they're written to people in the context of a certain culture. The original listeners would have been people who understood the rural language of sheep and shepherd and farming and fruits and agriculture and crops and things that, things that they would understand. So when we read it, we have to look at it and interpret it first through the lens of what did this mean to the original hearers? And what did the writer mean as he used these words to describe who God is and how we interact with him? What could he have meant? It would Us looking at this psalm now would be equivalent to somebody picking up the lyrics to a song written today in the year 5500 and trying to interpret what in the world does this mean? And trying to get our language and get our illustrations. I mean, that changes from generation to generation. Could you imagine 3,500 years from now, someone picking up the words to a famous song, like picking up a Justin Bieber song. Like, what in the world? What value did this add to the culture 3,500 years ago? You might think, well, what value does it add today? But there's an interpretation that means a lot to people today. That's when we look at Psalm 23, it was a popular s- psalm about God. People would have read it and heard it and sung it and chanted it in worship. So it's written against this cultural backdrop. The other day I was at a friend's office and he was standing there and one of his assistants was there. And he just bought a house and he was talking about all this work he was doing to his house. And he said he just cut, a, cut out a thicket in his backyard. Well, I grew up in the country. I immediately knew, well, that's, I know what a thicket is. That's pretty tough to cut out. And this city girl assistant that's there, they're like, what in the world is a thicket? And so we explained it. If you don't know what a thicket is, that's homework. Go figure that out. (laughs) But the book of Psalms uses terminology that we have to look a little deeper to understand, well, what does he mean when he says this? So when King David, this is the same King David that when he was a little boy defeated the giant Goliath. This is the same King David that started out his life as a young shepherd boy. And when he writes a song to describe his relationship with God, he probably he definitely didn't know these were going to be collected and, and, and told and sung and reinterpreted for thousands of years. He was just writing down his thoughts to music to express how he felt. About his relationship with God and to share them with people in a setting of worship. And so he's a shepherd, so it would only make sense that he uses words and images and concepts that he understands and that other people would understand. And so he starts out Psalm 23 with five words that are. Revolutionary to the people who heard them for the first time, and I think they will be to you as we dissect. But well, what did he mean when he said in Psalm 23, verse 1 The Lord is my shepherd? See, when David said that, he's, he's comparing God to a shepherd, and he's comparing us to sheep. So here's God, this mighty shepherd, and we're sheep. Now, in our culture, being a sheep is not a cool thing. I mean, we're, we're like, we're strong, and we're tough, and we, we want to succeed, and we want to be successful, and we want to beat the next person into the be- better position, and we want to win, and then it's like, come to church, and you describe me as a sheep? No thanks. I mean, I'm tough. In the book, in the book Traveling Light, Max Licato says this. I would have much rather David have said, the Lord is king and I am his mighty warrior. I mean, that sounds better, doesn't it? I'm his mighty, mighty warrior. If you're in a small group, I've been in small groups since the, the, the day, literally, that I accepted the message of Christ. A, a common icebreaker in a small group is to go around and say, if you could be any animal, what would you be? Which is probably some reasons people aren't in small groups. Our small groups are not like that, I promise, Okay. <laughs> But it it can happen occasionally. So if you could be any animal, what would you be? Well, people go around the room and say, I would be a tiger. I would be a lion. I would be a grizzly bear. I want to be an eagle so I could soar and be respected and be shown as this symbol of mightiness. Nobody says, well, I would want to be a little lamb. I would just want to be a sheep. Nobody says that. Because sheep, especially in this Middle Eastern culture, they were, sheep, they were different then than they are now. They were seen as different then than they are now. They were raised to be sheared, not to be served up at the Taza Grill on a pita. A shepherd would get a sheep when it was little, when it was a little lamb, when it was a baby, and he would, he would stay with that sheep for the rest of its life. Not to slaughter it eventually, but for its wool. And he would take care of it. He would get to know it and what its sound was. It would get to know him and his voice. And a shepherd spent all of his life caring for his sheep. And because David was a shepherd, when he starts to describe a relationship with God and how that works, there was no better analogy than a sheep and its shepherd. In David's life when he was getting ready to to go against big Goliath when he was a little boy and he was trying to convince King Saul, who was the king right before him, he was trying to convince him, let me go whip this giant. I can do it. And they're asking, what has prepared you to go whip this giant? And he's like, I've been a shepherd and being a shepherd prepared me for that. And I'm sure the king was like, yeah, right. And so David responds in 1 Samuel 17 and says this, When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. David is saying, look, you're the sheep and the Lord is your shepherd and that's the kind of shepherd he is. You may have walked in today thinking my life's great, everything's just fine. I don't really need a shepherd, Donnie. Thank you for this very therapeutic and pastoral series that we're starting today. But I'm good. I'm okay. But the fact is, we all need a shepherd. And if you're taking notes, write this down. We need a shepherd because we wander. Throughout Scripture... We are referred to as sheep, not just in this one place, but throughout scripture, people are referred to as sheep. And as I read up on sheep, which I didn't have a lot of knowledge about sheep, I found out that sheep are probably one of the most stupid animals on the earth. (laughs) Did you know that if a sheep, if, if a bee flies up a sheep's nose or an insect gets in there, you know how it gets it out? It beats its head against a rock or a tree. And sometimes they die trying to scratch the itch or get the bee out of its nose. Do you know sheep will just wander off? They'll just wander off, and without even knowing it, they'll just be so focused on what's in front of them. They're just eating grass and just wandering, and they'll just wander off. And sheep have no homing mechanism. You know, a dog or a cat or a dog or a bird or something like that. They'll they'll sometimes make it back home because they they can remember where home is and they kind of got a a feeling of direction. Sheep aren't like that. If they get very far away, they're so dumb, they don't know how to get back. And we're described, we're compared to sheep all throughout Scripture. The prophet Isaiah said this in chapter 53, verse 6, like sheep, we have all gone our own way. Shepherds have categories of sheep in their herd. And one of the categories they have, they call them fence crawlers. And that's the group of sheep that that they just stay at the edge of the fence. Wherever the boundary is, that's where they go. And they just consistently walk along the ruts that are out there at the edge of the field and they're looking for a hole in the fence. And as soon as these, these fence crawlers find them, find a hole, they go through it. And they wander off. They leave the protection of their shepherd and they go out into the open fields. Jesus told a story in Luke chapter 15 about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, and one of them wandered off. One of the fence crawlers got away. And he went and he got it. And instead of saying, look, it's just one sheep and they're stupid anyway. I mean, I got 99 more. You know, that one can just go. he went and he searched for the one. And when he found it, he put it on his shoulders. He comforted it and he carried it back in to the protection where it, that he had for it. And so many of us live our lives wondering just like the fence crawling sheep wondering could it be better just on the other side if if my wife looked like that then oh man things would be better in our relationship if my husband just could act like that and could just lose a little you know what i'm saying if that could happen then our lives would be better if i could just get that promotion oh if we could live in something like that then life would be better because look at them, look at them, they do that, and look how happy they look. If we could just have one of these, if we could just do that, if we could just achieve this level of income. And so people spend their lives wandering and looking over the fence and thinking, if I could just get over there, things would be better. Or people live their lives walking in the same rut over and over and over again and never leaving it. We wander, we get stuck. No wonder the Bible calls us sheep. We look on the other side and think the grass is so much greener. That's what I want. And when people do that, that's when you find yourself betraying the commitment you've made in relationships. That's when you find yourself cutting business deals you never thought you would do. That's when you find yourselves in a mountain of debt, not knowing how to get out of it. All because we stayed along the fence and we looked over and said, if I could just have that. And then we find this temporary hole and we go through it and then God has to come rescue us. I was once one of those sheep. You were once one of those sheep. Maybe you are right now, but we need a shepherd that will bring us back to where we're supposed to be. So we need a shepherd because we wander. We need a shepherd because alone we are defenseless. Sheep cannot defend themselves. You've never seen another animal get beat up by a sheep. You've never heard anybody say, man, I was out in the woods and this sheep got after me and I thought I was going to die. You've never heard that. You've never heard sports teams named, you know, the fighting sheep, the thundering sheep. The Dallas sheep, you know, it, they may play that way, but people don't call sports teams sheep. You pick bigger names and, you know, we're Broncos or we're Steelers or something tough. Sheep have no way to defend themselves. And so we're described as sheep. And also in Scripture, there's this enemy that's, that's revealed to us, and his name is Satan. And he's compared to a lion who roams around looking for someone to devour. You're the sheep that he's roaming around looking to devour. And you can't defend yourself. Just like a sheep can't defend itself. So we need a shepherd because we're defenseless. And you might think I'm tough and I'm mean and I can do life all by myself. But you can't. You need a shepherd. We need a shepherd because we get dirty. Sheep have no way to clean themselves. They don't go down to the water and roll around until they get the dirt all out of their fur. A shepherd has a special brush that he keeps with him. And at the end of the day, when the sheep come in from grazing, he brushes all of the mud and all the burrs and everything, anything that's in their wool, and he cleans them up. And they couldn't do it themselves if they tried. And every now and then when somebody's talking to me about their relationship with God, they'll say, as soon as I get this fixed in my life, I'm really going to come to God. As soon as I can take care of this or make this much or meet this person or take care of this addiction or this bad habit, as soon as I take care of that, then I'm going to come to God and you're like a sheep trying to get the burrs out of its wool. You can't do it without your shepherd. We need a shepherd because we get dirty and we can't clean ourselves up. And that's what God does for us. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We just say, Hey God, we're dirty, we're messed up. And he cleanses and he forgives. In in the book, a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm, or the shepherd goes through and he dissects Psalm 23. He says this about sheep. Left to themselves, sheep will follow the same trails until they develop a rut and they won't leave that rut ever. They will graze on the same hill until it's turned to waste. They're stubborn but easily frightened. Even a small rabbit can stampede a herd of sheep. They have no homing mechanism like a dog or a bird. So when they wander off, they're lost until the shepherd comes looking for them. I think it's clear that we're called sheep because we need a shepherd. And when David explains that we need a shepherd, he doesn't just do it in words like, hey, there's a God out there and that God wants to be your shepherd. Put Psalm 23 back up there. Because the way David, David says it is significant. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not the Lord is a shepherd, he's my shepherd. And if you'll notice, in your Bible, when you look at it too, the word Lord, all four letters are capitalized. And that's the translators letting us know that's a different word. That's just not the regular word for Lord. That's a different word. That word, it's translated Lord, all capital letters, comes from the Hebrew word Yahweh, or the way they would have pronounced it, Yahweh. They would have had no vowels in it. But the English translation is Yahweh. And Yahweh was the most sacred name for God. In fact, only the high priest could say the word Yahweh and he only said it once a year when he was in the temple in the holiest of holies. So Yahweh was when they would write Yahweh they would destroy the writing instrument because that word was so holy because it meant that God is eternally present. It wasn't a description of God, it was God's name. It was his personal name and it was sacred. And when David used the word Yahweh, all of these Jewish people listening would have said, whoa, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh is my shepherd. This Yahweh, this, this self-existing one that's eternally present is my shepherd. See God in his, just his essence is always there in the past, always here in the present and whatever future you're worried about, God's already there. He's already taken care of you. So for David to use this word Yahweh, it would have made people say, Now, now this is new information, David. Yahweh is my shepherd. It's the same word that when in Exodus chapter 3, this guy named Moses, who is wandering in the desert or is walking in the desert, and he comes upon this, this burning bush that's burning, but it doesn't burn up. So he looks. And God begins to speak to him through this burning bush. And what God says is, Go rescue my people from Egyptian slavery. And the stories all throughout Exodus, it's an awesome story of God's redemption and God's guidance and God's forgiveness and God's deliverance. But when he asks Moses to lead them out, he says, Well, who am I that I could do that? I'm not good enough. I don't speak good enough. I'm not a leader. You don't need me, you need somebody else. And then he decides he's going to do it and he says, well, who should I say sent me? And God says, tell them I am sent you. And so God declared his name. I am. Who sent you? I am sent me. Be sent me. That's what I am means is be. God just eternally is. And this was the most holy name of God that could be used. David is is bringing this god that's up there in the sky that they felt this probably felt this huge disconnection from like maybe you do too that god's out there somewhere and he says no god is god is relational god is with you god he just is eternally there for you and he is your shepherd this is this is beginning to have some indication that Jesus is coming, that God is creating a way to have this one-on-one relationship. And this idea of Yahweh bridges the gap. It closes the distance relationally. Because we, we put God out there so often like he's untouchable and like, well, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly bother God with that or talk to him about that. But, but I am, Yahweh means that he's down here with us. And so he became the shepherd, the one that was eternally with us. So when I hurt, I'm not alone because I am. Yahweh is with me. When things are going difficult in life, this relational being who just is, is with me. And we are relational beings and it's no wonder because we were created by a relational creator. And David would have learned more about God by being a shepherd than he did by any theology he would have studied as a king. This would have been a song that David sang with, with tears. Do you ever have that song that, that maybe we sang it today for you or, or there's a song that That when the band does it or when you hear it or when you play it, just tears start flowing because it's created such a connection between you and God. I've got songs like that, that when the band do them, I, I can't help but just be overcome with tears. That's the kind of psalm this was for David. And that's what he's trying to communicate to his listeners. That his life was a wreck. David did some really bad things. He wandered off big time. He was a fence crawler big time. And God came and got him. And this song would have moved people to realize that Yahweh was their shepherd and God would walk with them. So if you're a wreck, don't miss this series. If you got stuff going wrong in your life or you're messing up in your life or you think I'm so far from God, don't miss the next five weeks as we go verse by verse. Because right after David says, the Lord is my shepherd, the next words, I shall not want. Or I shall not be in want. Some translations say, the Lord's my shepherd, so I don't need anything else. And then the rest of the verses are, is David telling us, God is going to be there for me relationally. God is going to be there emotionally. God is going to be there for me Physically, God is going to be there for me spiritually and God is going to be there for me eternally. See, this verse means a lot more than just something you hear read at someone's memorial service. It's a picture of a God who says, I want to have such a close relationship with my people that they will see me as their shepherd. And I challenge you to come back over the next five weeks, read through this. It takes 30 seconds to read these six verses and start to think about what it means to have Yahweh as your shepherd. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this psalm from thousands of years ago that speaks to our hearts and raises you up as our shepherd. And God, thank you that David used your personal name, Yahweh, to let us know that's what a close relationship you want to have with us. And Father, I pray for the people who sit here today that feel like their life is messed up and they've wandered. I pray that they may feel the love of the shepherd that Jesus described, who comes after his sheep. And all of this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.